Before we just want to let you know we are so thankful that you've tuned in today, and of course today is Easter, and so this has got to be one of the most unique uh, Easter's that we've ever experienced. I know it is for me for sure. I mean, we're not even able to meet in our buildings currently, so this is definitely unique, and will definitely be something we'll talk about uh, in the future. And so, but hey, I have some good news for you today. Even though that the, we may not be able to get into our building, here's the good news: is that the church is not a building. We meet in a building, but we are a body of believers that have come to faith in Christ, and we gather in buildings. And so I had a friend of mine share something this week, and I thought it was too good not to share with you, and I loved it because he said this. He said, being the church is more essential than just having church. And I would encourage you during this time, man, to look for ways, ask the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes so that you can see moments and, and see opportunities to be love to people, to be the love of Christ, to, to display who God is to the world around us. And so I think it's so unique. And I know that, look, many of us are facing various challenges right now. We all have things going on. The world seems to be turned upside down right now. But here's the key is don't be discouraged. Look, one of the things about Easter is that it provides hope hope and it provides us the opportunity to remember who God is and what God has done. And so, but don't, don't become discouraged in this moment. And I want to share just a quick thought with you is, is this, is that challenges are inevitable. They're going to happen. I mean, we see it, things are going to happen. The world's going to go crazy, but here's the thing is that what we're celebrating today, resurrection is undeniable, man. It is powerful when God shows up and God works and God will move and God will work on your behalf. And so I want to encourage you today. Don't get frustrated. Don't get discouraged by the challenge. Hold on to your faith and remember, man, that resurrection, when God shows up, when God moves, man, he can change any situation in any circumstance. And so I would encourage you with this thought with along that way, because when we face challenges, things can have a way of, of having this finality to them sometimes. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Maybe it's the loss of a marriage. Maybe it's, you know, a financial collapse in your life. But I, I want to encourage you and really to take this into your heart is to never put a period where God has put a comma. You know, because sometimes we can think things are so final. We can think that this is just the way it is. This is just who I am. This is just my life. And God says, no, this is just part of a chapter. This is just part of your story. It is not your story. And so never be defined by a moment because sometimes we want to write a period and say, well, that's the, the finish of that statement. And God says, no, that's just a period. I mean, just, that's just a comma in your life. You know, and that's kind of the story of Easter, honestly, is that Friday we celebrated what we call Good Friday but it wasn't a, gr a very good day for Jesus. And to many people, and I'm going to share some with you about this, is that it looked like that was the finished part of the story. And so they had kind of said, well, that's final. It's over. But God was saying, no, I, I just hit the pause for a minute. There's a comma in the middle of this story. It's I would encourage you today is to have a heart full of faith, knowing that what you may perceive as your end, God says, no, 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 that's just the first part, but I have something better. And, and so just hold on to your faith. And so Never write yourself off when God hasn't. Because I can tell you, if you're breathing, God has not finished writing your story. See, God has a way of taking our setbacks and using them to prepare us and even to propel us into something much better than we can ever see right now. And sometimes we want to put that period at the end of a moment because that's all we can see. We can't see anything better. We can't see a better future. But God is working and God is moving on our behalf. And so I want to give you an example of this today. And we're going to take a little bit of a journey 
through Scripture, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase a lot of really the Bible uh, in just a few moments, but I want to give you an example very clearly uh, here as we're honoring Easter today and honoring what this day represents and what it means. Uh, But I want to give you an example uh, of how we see this in Scripture, and I've already alluded to it a little bit, but, you know, one of the things in the Bible that we see is that Israel had awaited and had been told for thousands of years that a Messiah was coming, that a Savior was coming. And in their mind, he was going to be this conquering king. He was going to deliver them from their oppressors. And at that time, that was the the empire of Rome. And so they had come into the nation of Israel, and they were the ruling force. They were a military occupying force in the nation of Israel. And so they were really looking for somebody like David. Remember the story of David and Goliath. And, and David came in as a savior, as a rescuer, if you will. And he delivered them from really the attack of the Philistines. And that's what the children of Israel had in mind. They really uh, had thought that Jesus or the Messiah would come and that he was going to set up a natural kingdom. And that's really what they had thought. And so when Jesus was crucified on Calvary, even though there were lots of conversation, a lot of people believed that he was this Savior who was to come. When he was crucified on Calvary, man, they thought the story was over. And that Jesus really wasn't the Messiah. In in their minds, that story was over. And so I believe that many people had placed a period, even though Jesus had told them and predicted and tried to warn them and tried to prepare them for this moment, saying, look, guys, I'm going to go and sacrifice. I'm going to go lay down my life. But I believe that many people in that moment put a period where God had put a comma. You see, that was on a Friday, and then there was Saturday, and Saturday was very silent. And yet Sunday came, and the story began to be written again. And see, and I think that many times in our own life we can do that, is that we get in a moment and we can get overwhelmed by the moment. And and what happens is we'll just try to write a period and we'll detach our faith. We'll stop really trusting God in that area when God wants to do some great things in our life. And so I encourage you, don't put a period where God has just written a comma. See, as I said, the nation of Israel was looking for a natural kingdom to be established, but that's not what Christ had actually come for. See, they had a perception of what God was, or what they perceived God to be doing. But God was doing something much greater than what they thought because they were looking for a natural kingdom. They were looking for something that was just earthly, but that's not why Christ came. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom and provide a way for all of humanity, not just the nation of Israel, but to provide a way for all of humanity to come back to God. Now, you may not be familiar with Scripture today, and you may not be that familiar with the story of the Bible, if you will. But, uh, you know, even as I said, that Jesus came to what? Provide a way back. And you may be asking the question, a way back from what? Like, what happened? And so I want to give you a brief history and a rundown of the Bible. Now, I'm going to do this really fast, so pay attention. And, uh, you know, but I, but I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to give you the story. And it's a very condensed version. But in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, we see that God creates humanity. So, and God creates them for fellowship. The Bible says that God would come into the garden that he had created for man. It was a beautiful place, a perfect place for man to live and to enjoy. And God, the Bible says that God would come in in Genesis 3 and he would walk and talk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And they would fellowship and they were together and there was an awareness of God's presence in the garden. But but what happens is, is that mankind rebels against God. 
ultimately, because of their rebellion, God has to remove them from that perfect place and they become separated from the presence of God. And for thousands of years, man's relationship with God is really marked by distance and by separation. And so, you know, I mean, God provides a way for them to come back to some degree, but it wasn't the same way. And so when Jesus, the Messiah, comes on the scene, he begins to display what it's like for a human to walk in fellowship with God. And it was very different from what anybody else had seen or what anybody else had understood before that. See, and so when Jesus lays down his life, he's, he, he really came to restore humanity's ability to experience God and experience his presence. See, we talk about resurrection. Today is Easter and it's Resurrection Sunday and we throw that word around and we use it on all kinds of things. But really the story of Easter goes way beyond just resurrection is that resurrection actually brings about restoration. And it's a restoration of a relationship with God, our Father, who created us, because that's what He always wanted. So one of the things that you could say is that when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, it's really a restoration to the original intent that God had for every one of us, which was what? So that we would know Him and that He would know us. That's the story of Easter in a nutshell. Is that it's about this restoration of this, of our relationship and our ability to really not just know about God, but to actually know Him personally. See, and so, you know, so Easter is, yes, it is the celebration of the resurrection of Christ because without the resurrection, there is no restoration. So you have to have it both, but it doesn't just stop at the, at the resurrection. Easter is so much more than just one day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. And so it's important for us to know this. Paul talks about this and he talks about his desire to intimately know God and to really know and understand Christ. And in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, he says, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. See, the, the, the resurrection of Christ still has power today. It is still working in us. I, I love the thought of this is that resurrection and really what we celebrate, it is a past fact, yes, but it also has present power. It has present ability. God desires to work in our life through what Jesus accomplished, through his death, burial, and his resurrection in our life, is that we never have to just fight and trudge through things alone. Is that God, what he wants us to experience his power. We don't have to be confident in ourselves in our abilities, or those types of things. No, we can lean in and what? We can come to know God. We can build a relationship with Him. The Amplified Bible goes on and it says it this way. And it says that I may share in the fellowship of His suffering. Now, you may think, well, I thought Jesus suffered once for everybody. He did. But it keeps on going. And Paul, and I love how the Amplified adds this. It says that we could share in His suffering by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, that being Christ. Is that our suffering now is what? It's, it, it's this shift that is happening from being worldly to being godly, to from being unredeemed to now being redeemed. And, and it is a process of time. It's a process of growth that we experience and we all experience it. Look, we are all at, at different places in our understanding and our life and our walk with the Lord. But here's the truth that every one of us knows is that we can grow and we can know God more. We could grow deeper with him. 
And so what happens is, is that I'm going to backtrack just a little bit here. But after the, the fall of humanity, and this is so important, is that God had set up a system in the Old Testament. It's really called the law, and it was a, a place called the tabernacle, which he could have a semblance of a relationship. It wasn't his original intent at all of the relationship that he had had with them in the garden. But only one person a year, the high priest, could enter into what was called the most holy place. So there was a a temple. It was actually a series of curtains. And there was different zones, if you will, that you could enter into. But different people could only go into certain ones. Well, at the the very place where the presence of God was, was called the most holy place. And it's where the, the very presence of God was. And the high priest, once a year, on the Day of Atonement, could enter with the, the blood from sacrifices that the nation had sacrificed as, as really the payment for sin. And the high priest would go in there and he would pour that blood upon the altar for, so that the nation could be forgiven. And, and so it was, a, but it was very, I mean, again, one person, one time, once a year could go in and actually be in the presence of God. Other than that, everybody else could only see it from a distance. No one else could come close. And so when Christ died, that space that had contained the presence of God, the Bible says, and we see this in three of the Gospels, that the curtain that really surrounded that most holy place, the Bible says that when Jesus breathed his last breath, that that curtain was torn from top to bottom. And I love to think of it this way, is that it was God saying, I'm moving outside of the box, because here's the truth, is that curtain could never contain the presence of God. God had allowed himself to be contained by that curtain. He had allowed himself to be confined to that space for a time and for a season. But when Jesus came and died, Jesus put an end to that old system. He fulfilled that old system. And so what happened is that God really had changed the way he would interact with man. Is that he said he was moving out of this little curtained off space. He tore the veil. He tore that curtain. And he began to move into the hearts of men and women. And it became a very personal thing. Where the Old Testament is all about the external. The law was about the externals and all the things that happened on the outside of us. Now, we see that God wanted to to work and to really identify and to work with us from the inside out. It was a very new thing. And so, uh, you know, it, it really is about an invitation from God to not just understand about Him. Because we can know about Him. We can come to church. We can read the Bible. We can do all those kinds of things. But what about really knowing God personally and intimately? That is God's desire. See, I think right now, many times we can have the thought or even think, man, I need the presence of God right now like never before. And while I agree with you, I have to disagree as well because the truth is, is that we've always needed the presence of God. You need God's presence today as much as you did three months ago, as much as you did five years ago. Is that now what has happened is just our awareness of our need has become greater. But we've always needed the, 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 the life of God, the presence of God. Why? Because that's where real life comes from. See, the Word of God tells us, and I have some good news for you, is that if you want to know God, He'll never reject you. The Bible tells us in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, hey, if you'll seek it, you will find Him. If you, if you look, what? He's going to accept you. You don't have to worry about trying to be good enough. Jesus was good enough. For us. He was, he stepped into our place. Why? Because God wanted to make his home in us. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 
16 says this. He says that we are the temple of the living God, just as God has said, I will make my home in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, how does that happen? It's through surrender. We surrender our heart to the Lord. But here's the thing is that we're not just surrendering to somebody who's afar off that we can't know or we can't understand. No, God is a very present help. He's right here, right now, and he's ready to work. He wants you to experience him. It doesn't just have to be head knowledge. It can be real life experience. that We can experience the goodness and the power of God. And so when his presence comes, this is what happens. Is that His presence brings peace. Man, we could use some peace right now. But we don't have to be moved by the circumstances of the day. Why? Because we can have a peace that passes all understanding in our heart. His presence will bring about security in our life. Is it, yes, I can see what's happening on the outside, but I also know, man, that I, that I am secure. Why? Because of what God's promises are to me. He says, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to make myself at home in you. Why? Because now we are the temple of God. This building that I'm standing in is not the, the church per se. We are the church. We are now the vessel that God chooses to reside in. Just as, as we saw there in the Old Testament where he resided in a... Inside of that space, behind that curtain, God chose to to confine himself or to put himself inside of that space. Well, now he has chosen to put himself into us, to pour his very presence, who he is, the essence of all that he is on the inside of us. The Bible tells us that we are now carriers of the very presence of God. Man, what a valuable, what a precious thing. One of the other things that God's presence will bring is, is an understanding of our acceptance in Him. Is that we have no reason to fear God. Why? Because we know that God loves us. And not just because we read it, but because Christ displayed it. He showed it in action. He showed us what it was like for God's love to be in action. Well, what did Jesus do? The Bible says that He went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed and afflicted of the devil. Jesus went about doing good. He went about helping people. He went about healing people. He went about delivering people. And that's good news. Why? Because we all need some help. And Jesus came to do that for us. And so one of the last things that I want to share with you is this. Is that God's presence brings life. And I don't mean just like casual, like, oh, he's, going to, like, he, he's not just an addition to to our life. No, he came to give us a brand new life, a very different life, one that we've never known, one that we've never experienced. And so this is the story of Easter, is that Jesus's life, that the same life that God breathed into Jesus's body that caused it to be resurrected is what? It's also the life that we can now have. Is that we now are, as the Bible says, we are now partakers of the life of Christ. Man, we get to experience the power and the presence of God today. We don't have to wait. We don't have to just wonder what it's like. We can know him intimately and personally. You can know him. And you may say, I don't, how do I do that? Let me give you a couple practical things. Number one is ask. Just say, Lord, I want to experience your presence. Even as you read the Bible, you don't have to read a lot, but ask the Holy Spirit, say, God, Open my eyes to see and to catch real understanding. Breathe life onto the words of this page because these, the, the word of God is living. It is active, yes. 
But ask the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes to see that life that's contained in those pages. Begin to worship with your whole heart. Don't just do it at church. Make it a part of your life. Make your life become a pursuit of knowing and fellowshipping with God. Is that a relationship is much more than one day a week. A relationship is much more than just casually when I need something. A relationship is a continual thing that happens on a daily basis. And, and God's desire is that we would walk with him daily. That we would know the goodness of his presence. The power of his presence. Because he desires to work for you. He desires to work in your life. You have a reason to be joyful and hopeful today. And it's because resurrection is alive and well for us today. Man, that's such a powerful video. It stirs me up in my heart because it really, and I love how it ends right there where it says, man, that when we come to Jesus, he ushers us right into the presence of God. He's the one who actually confirms that we have access. The Bible tells us that because Jesus, who is our savior, the Bible calls him our high priest, has given us access to the very presence of God that we can go into. And man, it is so powerful. But, you know, I, I, I cannot leave today without making sure, because there's only one thing that qualifies you for the presence of God. And that is coming to Jesus and surrendering our life. See, I said this earlier, but Jesus is not an addition to our life. Jesus really comes to what? To take over our life. I mean, it's, it's a surrender of who we are. And I have a very important question for you today. And it's a question I believe that every one of us should ask ourselves. Is, is today your resurrection day. I mean, we celebrate Jesus's resurrection day. I know I can look back and remember what my resurrection day where I moved from a life that was marked by all kinds of negative things, but ultimately it was a life of death. But I can remember the day that I switched over and came out of darkness and I moved into the kingdom of light. I can remember when I moved from death and into life. And here's the good news. Today can be your day. All it is, is it's your decision. Number one, it's a decision to, to receive the sacrifice of Christ because we recognize our need of a Savior. It is saying, God, I realize that I cannot come into your presence without a price being paid and that Jesus paid that price for us. And it is so powerful for us to understand that. And we ask for what? The forgiveness of our sin. Because it wasn't, it wasn't Jesus' sin that he got uh, crucified for. The Bible says that he was crucified for our sin. But we just have to re- receive the forgiveness of sins. We don't have to earn it, but we do have to receive it. And the Bible's very clear is that what do we do? Is that we just have to ask. And, and really we begin to say it with our mouth. Is that we believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. Now let me give you a scripture real quick about this. That, that I believe is, is a powerful truth. And it comes out of Romans chapter 8 verse 29. And it says that he knew all about us before we were even born. And he destined us from the beginning. From your first breath. From the beginning of your life. Is that God destined you to what? Share in the likeness of Christ. This means that the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who would become just like him. See, Jesus was, the the Bible says in another translation, he was the firstborn of many. He was the first to taste resurrection, yes, but he wasn't to be the last. See, God's desire is that Jesus would, would, would experience resurrection for the first time, but there would be many people. 
And, th- and today can be your day of resurrection. And so I just want to encourage you today. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Again, this is all you have to do. The Bible says you have to believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. That he came to do what the Bible says he did. And that he accomplished what the Bible says that he accomplished. And so, was Jesus the Son of God? Yes. If you believe that and you say yes, the Bible says you have to confess that with your, you have to, number one, believe it in your heart. You have to confess it with your mouth. So I'm going to ask you to do something. And I realize this may be a little interesting um, because you may be sitting on your couch right now. But I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who Jesus is and what he came to do for me. I ask you for the forgiveness of my sins. And I thank you for this life that I can now have in Christ because of what he has done for me. So, Father, I thank you for this life that I now have, this full life that's full of your presence. And, Father, I thank you That you're helping lead me into a greater relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.